Well, if I haven't met you, because uh, I see a couple new faces, my name is David. I'm the pastor here. And uh, we have been in this series through the book of James. And James, being the half-brother of Jesus, what we know of James is that really he's, he, he, he leaves nothing out. He throws a bunch of punches and really calls out the church, but, but not, just to, not just to call them out in a bold way, but to encourage them to live boldly. And so a, a big theme of James's book is, is a lot of application week after week as we talk. We're talking about a faith that works. And, and a couple weeks ago, we talked about works and that we're not saved by our works, but that we're saved for works. And so I just want to keep hammering at this, keep reminding you that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And so as we look at this text this morning, especially as James encourages the believers to go live out in active faith, that they would do so with wisdom. And so we're going to read James chapter 3, the ending, verse 13 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, there are some out in the commons. If you would like one of those, you can take that and have that. And also it'll be on the screen behind me. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now I found... A, uh, a funny illustration of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Because as James, ta- James talks about wisdom, he's really talking um, of a false wisdom that, that we kind of pursue after and one that is a wisdom that's from above. And I, I found this funny illustration that I read to my wife, therein lied the mistake, that a man that knows knowledge knows really what his wife looks like in that dress, but wisdom is knowing what to say to her. And then my wife replied with, so what do you typically say? And I said, well, I got to go study, so I'll tell you later. (laughs) So if you can give me a good answer for later. But as we look at this, there's really a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a biblical distinction that we need to understand between these two. Because you can't have wisdom without knowledge, but it's possible to have knowledge without wisdom. There's a big difference there. Because knowledge is knowing the truth. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the truth. Knowledge is theoretical, wisdom is practical. Knowledge is truthful, where wisdom is useful. Knowledge provides information, and wisdom provides transformation. Knowledge tells you what to believe, wisdom tells you how to behave. And throughout the Bible, we hear a lot about wisdom in the Old Testament, especially through the book of Proverbs, which is kind of known as the Old Testament version of James. And James is kind of known for kind of having that Proverbs-like application and wisdom. Through there, we're encouraged to seek after wisdom. And we see in the New Testament that we're exhorted to walk in wisdom and walk with wisdom. And Paul tells this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5 
verse 15 through 17. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. And here's why. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so in James chapter 3, this text that we just read, that there's more than one kind of wisdom that James is getting after. In this text, he's really describing two different kinds. And really he's saying, listen, if you don't know, this other one really isn't wisdom. It's really just the appearance of wisdom. And so the two kinds he's really after is understand the first is, is from above. It's a wisdom from God. It's, it's not you. It's not from you. Wisdom is from God. And the second is, is from the world. He's saying the second wisdom that just has that appearance of wisdom, but isn't really from you is the one that's corrupt, demonic, and, and unspiritual. It's just self-seeking. And so James really urges the believers to let their wisdom only come from above, not the earthly or fleshly wisdom, which is full of selfishness and jealousy, which really in in, an end, it corrupts the heart. And so he points out with this one true wisdom through good works, that it isn't going around and, and letting others know how much better you are than them. It isn't just saying, hey, I know everything, so just lean on me. And not, not really going about and saying, because I have all wisdom, I'm going to tell others where their wisdom issue is. But here's, here's the piece, piece, is that those who have godly wisdom from above are those that, that demonstrate their wisdom and how they live. That their living looks different. That the wisdom, if it comes from above, looks different from a wisdom that's just earthly. And so it's how they live. The deeds done with humility. And so this morning, as we unpack this text that James shares, for us to look to live wisely, we need to seek God's true wisdom because there's a false wisdom that he's addressing, a false wisdom that actually boasts in what is earthly. So there's two things going on in the heart there of those who are seeking out earthly wisdom. He says, bitter jealousy and the other is selfish ambition. And so there are ways in which you and I, when we're seeking out this earthly wisdom, are not actually seeking out a wisdom of God, but rather a foolish type of earthly wisdom. And so let's just get real for a moment when we go, man, I'm, I'm all wise. I'm all knowing. There is no room in your life to be filled with Christ when you're so full of yourself. So we have to get at the heart of it knowing, okay, is this, is this I, is this me, or is this Christ in me? Because if it's just all of, of the me, then there's no room for Christ. And so if we get all puffed up and with all of our knowledge constantly correcting others, then all we're really proving is that we think we're better. And that's counter to Christ. And so we get into this dangerous area of this false wisdom that has nothing really to do with God. It's not from above and it's not a wisdom of God. It's a wisdom of self rooted in our own hearts, in our own desires. Here's what's important. Wisdom isn't merely information that we have in our heads. Wisdom also comes from the, the makeup and the character of a heart in pursuit of God. And so for us, the best place to go to really assess, man, is this, is this wisdom that's, that's boasting in, in what is earthly or is this wisdom from above? The best place for us to go and to assess that is to take a look at your heart. 
for us to take a look at your heart and see the condition of where you're at and how you are living. So we talked last week about this, about the heart of it, especially when we looked at taming the tongue last weekend, that an identity rooted in Christ changes how you see the world. An identity rooted in Christ really changes how you see others, how you see the world that God created. And so the the inner man, the inner heart within you isn't in control by you. It's in control by Jesus. So he has to be the Lord over your life. He has to be who's making the shots, not wisdom from you, wisdom from God. And we talked last week also about how Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the issue there is that whatever fills our hearts, whatever we're allowing in and basing what is coming out, whatever is filling our hearts, inevitably comes out through our mouth. And we may call it wisdom, but, but in and of itself, if it's earthly, it's really void of wisdom. And so James is really making it clear, be careful with your living. Last week, he said, be careful with your words. Be careful with how you're going about that. Because in the midst of our culture, we have this culture that says, I'm better. It's about me. I'm awesome. And from here, we see that that's not from above. Because the believer is not focused on saying, I'm awesome. The the believer is focused on saying, God is awesome. And this from here, out from our hearts, flows a true wisdom for us to walk in. The true wisdom isn't boasting in earthly things, but true wisdom is from above. As James opens up in in verse 13 there of chapter 3, he really asks the question, are you wise? Are you someone with wisdom? Prove it. Are you someone who's wise, who has a lot of wisdom here? Prove it in how you are living in the way you go about your life, because he gives us some evidence of someone who's living with wisdom that is from above. He said, wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And see, the perfect example of where James is getting this from is Jesus. The perfect example for us that we see, man, how do I, how do I, seek out this true wisdom that's from above, following Jesus. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so the virtues that James is listing here are predominantly non-selfish. They're, they're non-aggressive. They're practicing in a way of showing a, showing a greater concern for others above themselves. So it's really having this right focus of self. And so what kind of wisdom do you have? Think about that. What kind of wisdom do you have? If heavenly, then it's a wisdom that's intentional because those that have wisdom from above seek to worship God in it and they demonstrate having that worship by how they live. And so in our living, all of those examples, is all of those examples, is it, a, is it from above? Are you living with that wisdom? Then, then it will be pure peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. There will contain in it good fruits. It'll be impartial and it'll be sincere, following, not perfectly, but faithfully through the example of Christ. And so is he Lord over your life? 
This is really the question that James keeps posing in this chapter. Is he Lord over your life? Who's calling the shots when it comes to the decisions of your life? When it comes to what you look at, what you see, who you're in relationship with, is he Lord over your life? Who's calling the shots? See, James said earlier in James chapter one, at the very beginning of our series in the first week, in verse five, we looked at that piece where James says, if you lack wisdom, here's what you do. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And so really what I shared with you here is that there are really two prayers that James is, is saying to submit to God and really be praying, grant me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And the other is increase my faith and kill my doubt. That in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our own humanness, that as we're seeking true wisdom, we're, we're having prayers that are active. Prayers where there is movement in them that we're seeking the one true God who has the wisdom that is from above and we're constantly waiting on the Lord for his wisdom. And here's the thing. When it comes to being wise, sometimes it feels like the unwisest thing to do is to wait. Sometimes it feels like those with wisdom speak the greatest words. But truthfully, those who wait on the Lord understand that the process of seeking God's direction and the process of seeking God, waiting on him, are those that are seeking out God's wisdom. And so those who wait are really those that work. They're those that are active because they know that their work is not in vain. Even, even when the waiting is uncomfortable, that waiting upon the Lord is the confident, disciplined, expectant, active, and even sometimes painful clinging to God for his direction. And so if we're going to seek true wisdom that is from above, we need to wait on the Lord. We need to wait upon the Lord. There are so many times where I have not waited on the Lord in my earlier years, where even, even now, looking at that and going, man, I, I shouldn't have moved so quickly. I should have waited on the Lord. I shouldn't have moved so quickly. I thought I had it. I thought I had all wisdom. And, and then realizing, no, 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 I needed to wait on the Lord. There was a time where, even before, I'll, I'll tell you that when Sean and I got together and we're dating. Before we dated, we spent a couple days apart to pray and go, should we pursue this relationship? And then I, then I prayed uh, when to kiss her. And then I prayed when, and thank God he answered that one. And then I prayed and just said, God, when should I marry her? Knowing that God through his wisdom said, this is, this is who I have for you. And then praying. And, and even when it, it, that, that wasn't answered in her timing, I was praying and waiting on the Lord. And I think there's times where we just think things are too small to bring to God, but nothing is too small for a God who longs for you to come to him with things. And so there was a season a couple years back where we had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to go to another church and there were all these incredible things. We had full knowledge of what was ahead of us. We had a great salary awaiting a job for both of us in a new town, a great larger community, larger church, greater resources, everything pointed to yes. 
And everyone was at peace about it except for me. And it was almost in these conversations where, where I just felt like people were packing our bags for us. Oh, it's a great opportunity. It's a shoe in You've got this. And I just remember sitting down on our couch and just going, God, I don't, I don't feel like we got this. I don't feel like this is what is where we're supposed to go. And every sign pointed to yes, to go, except for God. And so in that time, as weird and, 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 and foggy as I felt, just positioned myself before God and said, God, what do you desire from us? And God spoke the words through his words, through his word over me, wait. Just one word, wait, which was counter to everything of this amazing opportunity. And so we waited. And then we stayed in the community we were doing ministry in, in Mount Vernon. And then a year later, God sent us here. And so through that, it's not always what we think. Waiting on the Lord is an active submission, waiting on his wisdom. Not, not seeking your own and going, God, are we good? Is, is my wisdom, is where I'm coming from good? No, it's an active submission. Not, not my will, but yours be done. Not my wisdom, but yours in my life. And so I think it's really important for us to understand to seek true wisdom, we have to be waiting on the Lord. And what God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. Because I think in that season, it gave me such an incredible understanding of patiently waiting upon the Lord while actively working. To look at every person, to sit with every person and go, I may be leaving you soon and still be active in their life. And so not seeking my own wisdom, not seeking my own plan, but waiting on the Lord, the process of seeking God's direction. This is what we need to seek the true wisdom that is from above that James is talking about, where it's active submission, waiting on his wisdom. And then we see that true wisdom moves in righteousness. See, the motivation of a true believer, the true wisdom in the believer is to glorify God. The motivation for us of of true wisdom, of seeking out that true wisdom is that in our lives as believers, we would glorify God. And so when we understand the gospel fully, when we have experienced it, that what God did was gave himself for us through Jesus to redeem us from our sin. When we experience that, it motivates us to love in a way that we would be active in serving God and serving others, ultimately to bring glory to God. And see, this causes us to move into righteousness where we desire not perfectly, but faithfully to seek true wisdom from above. And I love what Martin Luther said when it comes to righteousness. He said that the life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness, not health, but healing, not being, but becoming, not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. 
This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. See, as James comes to a close in this passage, James says that true wisdom is pure. True wisdom is pure, which means it's free from defilement. It's not self-seeking. It's not boasting in of itself, but it's, it's free of these things. It's seeking after a godly heart. And it's not behavioral, but it's a heart change. And all of us know how to be on our best behavior. All of us know this idea of behavioral modification. And even behavior can be altered to suit, to suit really a particular situation, but it doesn't really reflect how we truly desire to live. So all of us learn this growing up of how we need to function in certain scenarios, act this way over here, act this way over here. I knew as a kid when we went into the store and mom would say, if you disobey, bad things are gonna happen. And then when mom would start speaking Norwegian and we heard foreign language, we knew we were busted. And so we knew and we grew up learning, okay, if I behave this way, this will go better. If I speak this way, this outcome will happen. But the real question is, not when you're around or there's different situations, the real question is, how do you behave when you're alone? How are you living? How are you speaking when you're only with the few that you'd say anything to? See, what intrigues me, church, what we often forget is that the Holy Spirit knows everything that lingers in the dark of our life. And so what we do not need is a behavioral modification. We don't need a list of, of, of methods of, of here's how to appear better, but we need a true repentance, a, a real change of our heart where we would say, God, forgive me. God, consume me. To where we become humbled by his word, by fully experiencing the gospel, where we walk in a new life, in a new self, where we're moving in righteousness, not perfectly, but faithfully. And so we see from James out of the humility of following Jesus, that heavenly wisdom that's from above produces in us this humility and not a, not a high view of ourself and, and not a low view of ourself, but a right view of ourself in light of God's grace and in light of bringing God glory. That true humility for us to position ourselves in submission before God is us with true humility saying, I'm, I'm not gonna look at myself for the answer, for the way to go about this, but I'm gonna be looking to God put my focus on you, on above, on the true wisdom that I may move in righteousness. And so this morning, church, for us to seek out a true wisdom from above, to move into righteousness in God, we need to focus ourselves on God. Not focusing ourselves on ourselves, but focusing on God seeking him for wisdom as we walk in righteousness, that we'd let it be genuine and, and a humble submission before God. 
that there is no righteousness, but growth in righteousness. Let's pray.